Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pop culture, subculture, music, horror, sex, politics, art, and overall bad ass. This is Society 13, redefining podcasting. Music. Music. Horror. Horror. Subculture. And overall badass. Welcome 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 to Kettle Kettle Whistle Whistle Radio. Radio. With your host, host, Dave Dave and Sean. Sean. Hello, folks, friends, and fiends. No Captain Sexy tonight. He's got the night off <laughs> again. Uh, let's see. We do. Hey, fans of progressive rock music. We have an old friend that came back. Uh, Mr. Piccolo Bass himself. himself. HB3, Hugh Bonar, <clears throat> formerly of the band Nature from the 90s. And now he is HB3. And he's got stories and he's got music. And I'm hoping T-shirts. I keep, I've been bugging him for about mm, three years for this stuff. Uh, but yeah, he's coming up right away. And happy St. Patty's Day, if you so listen to this on St. Patty's Day. Uh, everything else was recorded, oh, about a week ago, I think, week and a half. It's been a rough couple of ones. Uh, anyway, so, Shutter fans, let me know if any of you have seen Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, <laughs> an 81, I want to say slasher, but they're calling it an exploitation horror film. <clears throat> this is directed by William Asher. But I got to say, and excuse me for the coughing, it's just, it's not the big C, it's just, uh, just, <laughs> what are you looking at me like for? Just enjoying myself here. Okay, so anyway, Susan Tyrell, uh, Jimmy McNichol. Susan Tyrell is just so disturbing in this movie. I, I start to see a lot of Rob Zombie, um, <laughs> I will say, uh, makes and models come out of this certain character who's slowly losing her mind in front of you. It's about, well, she isn't, I guess, infatuated with the, her acquired uh, nephew since his parents died in a very horrifically graphic, tragic accident over the top. I, I actually, I, I, my eyes went wide in the dark when I was watching this Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. It's one I missed. Uh, I can't believe it was, it's an 81 film. It comes across as like 1974 uh, but yes, it, is it good? Yeah, if you like slashers, if you like disturbing uh, psycho-type films, uh, a lot of sexual innuendos and weirdness. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, my strange recommendation. I don't really have a, 
a great recommendation right now, except for uh, what Godzilla vs Kong is coming out. <clears throat> a couple of if you have HBO Max, you get to see it or whatever. Um, I really liked. I think it was a, uh, that Jared Leto film we were talking about last time, Little The Little Lies or something like that. I, that's on HBO Max too. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right, but we're gonna move on here. HP three coming up, and stick around. And thank you for listening. Hey guys, this is Ty Oliver from Powerman 5000, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Folks, friends, and fiends, thanks for tuning in. And we're here with an old friend tonight, and I'm glad you tuned in. Uh, this guy is a genius in hiding. He does hide. Right now, he's melting, from what I understand. Uh, <laughs> I've got HB3 on the line. This is uh, Hugh. You, how you doing, Hugh? I, I heard some ice cubes. Yeah, I'm all right now. <laughs> I- I'm okay. I'm I'm okay. I'm all right. Okay. Well, it's nighttime here, so it's still hot, I guess, out in uh, the West Coast right now. Yeah, it was like 70 degrees or something. I uh, guess that's uh, pretty balmy considering the rest uh, of the world. Indeed, indeed, uh, indeed. But uh, I, I, listen, I'm sorry. It, it's been a while. Uh, I, I realized when I look at some of our texts how long it's been that we've talked, and uh, it's a shame. But you you got a lot going on. Yeah, I remember like texting you like a year ago, and we were talking about yes seventies horror movies, and you were telling me haunted house stories. Yes, you were you were scaring the hell out of me. It was like two o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah. And what I didn't tell you about that night was I had also just dislocated my shoulder, so I was in excruciating agony. Oh my god. And and, and experiencing like you know horror and terror. At, yeah. Because of the stuff you were telling me, it was a really strange experience. I was not helping. I'm sorry. I don't recommend shoulder injuries if you can possibly avoid them. Yeah, I'm an older guy now, so I'm very careful of these things. Yes. Yeah, yes. you got watch out for that. <laughs> They're about as bad as knee injuries, which are notorious. I didn't know that shoulder injuries were were about at the same level as like a bad knee injury. Yeah, it's kind of like you just can't get comfortable type of thing. Yeah, and it goes on and on and on. There were all sorts of weird symptoms. But enough about that. That's all right. I'm sorry I could not be a help that night. I rarely am a help for people in the middle of the night. No, that's all right. Oh. I mean, I appreciated the conversation. It And, you know, it made me want to talk about 70s horror movies with yeah. you. But I guess we can, you know, we can do that or do something else. I'm good either way. Oh, I'm, heck I'm yeah. still another time. I'm still <clears throat> I just watched one called uh, well, not exactly a horror movie, but a but a thriller called uh, Two Minute Warning. Hmm. From from 1976, Ooh. it's set in Los Angeles. It's about a sniper who sneaks up in the. Uh, it's either the L.A. Coliseum or the L.A. Sports Arena during a football game. Oh shit! It's with Charlton Heston, and uh, it's brutal, man. I bet they pulled that. They must have pulled that one early. Uh, how did you see it? Was it like streaming or? Yeah, uh, it was. It was a controversial, shocking film because yeah. there's lots of you know people getting shot by this sniper. And meanwhile, and, uh, you got Singleton with Higher Learning, and that was a great movie that portrayed something that really did happen in Austin. You know, I never saw that. Ooh, yeah. Oh, for the cast alone. Yeah, you should check it out. We're kind of peers. I think we're almost the same age. I'm not sure. You're, you're probably. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, you could relate to the situation and why they would probably would ban that film right now. Uh, just, when did that come out? Uh, uh, let's see. That would be. Uh, let's see. I want to say between '91 and '95. Before, oh, really? but yeah, pre-Columbine. So a lot of things went, you know. South after that, wow. there are things you couldn't do anymore. John Singleton's uh, that movie. Wow, I didn't think we'd talk about that. 
But higher learning, oh boy, controversial. I don't know if they could. I don't know if anybody's streaming that. But yeah, I highly recommend it. I'll, I'll try and find it. Yes. Now here, uh, here we are talking about other people's work. I've got you know one of the coolest guests ever here in HP uh, three. So is it safe to say that music is your life? Oh God. I hope not. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, we go back to seventies horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I uh, I'm also a writer, and I know uh, this. I know. I was a writer for a lot of sort of alternative publications, and I've written one book, and I have a couple other books in the hopper that I'm sort of debating what to do with. I I, I took a couple years off from music to work on these books. And then got got pulled back into it. So I've got these like quasi completed rough drafts. Uh, one is about our generational experience and and being a being an '80s kid, uh, quasi autobiographical that that I really like, but I'm sort of scared to put it out. Really, it it's a little bit too close to home, you know. Uh, it's a little bit too revealing. It's it's quite personal and. I don't know if we're living in the in the kind of environment, the kind of social environment, where you want to sort of confess to things that are painful to recollect and potentially embarrassing, and and so forth and so on. Well, uh, yeah, especially in cancel culture, right? I, this is very actually relevant right now, and not really. I talk about this all the time, but Stephen King, when he did the Bachman books, he did a story called Rage about classrooms and shootings yeah i don't want to get too much it, yeah. but he also he recanted me well didn't recant but he apologized for that that's he, right he took ownership for writing that and i respect that because times do change let's face it people change and i just i think is that a bangles song but uh honestly it's kind of like yeah you kind of do have to you have a certain responsibility now with what you write because people hugh i don't know if you feel the same way i think they're weaker and maybe uh take things a little too far yeah people are 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 neurotic and they're a, they're a mess yeah uh and you know i guess i can't really blame them for that it's just they've right. been they've been victimized by an abusive culture yes and uh yeah i mean you do have to think about that you have to think about it. I, uh, I i call it responsibility in writing now i don't i don't believe in censorship though uh, but it's a fine line. There was a there was a movement in poetry called uh, the the confessional uh, the confessional poets like uh, Sylvia Plath and Robert Lowell and hmm. they were writing in the early '60s and that's some pretty revealing stuff and uh, I think one of the reasons why they felt like they could be so personally revealing was it was more of a high trust culture hmm. where everybody uh, you know maybe was a little bit more understanding of each other and knew where Respect. everyone Respectful. else was coming from and yeah. You, you, you. I don't know. For whatever reason, you, you felt like you had the ability to, to be more sort of raw and and, and vulnerable publicly. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't know that people feel that way anymore. Yeah, they feel like they'll they'll get in trouble or something. Yeah. I well, the difference is, and we grew up without social media. And now we have it. People feel that they can. Well, they go too far with it, and they think it's okay because it's a platform. But anyway, all right. So let's let's go back to what we're. I want to. Now, yes, music is my life. It is, uh, but honestly, uh, PhD and teaching. I have a master's degree. Okay. Uh, I grew up with an academic who was a history professor who taught uh, classes in the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution, and also the history of cinema. 
So I grew up going to these classes. And when my parents got divorced, mm. I spent a lot of time hanging out with my dad. Uh, I was eight years old, nine years old, and we would drive around a lot and, and we would have, you know, serious intellectual conversations because he didn't have anyone else to talk to. Oh. So, I, you know, I, I grew up talking to this high powered intellect and grew up being exposed to a lot of really great stuff. Mm-hmm. And would sit in on his classes, and you know, I, I kind of adopted that sensibility. And uh, kids called me like the professor when I was like <laughs> nine, ten years old, just because I was raised by this guy. So it's it's kind of a it's an environment that I can function in and that I feel pretty good in. So uh, you know, when I when I needed a job, I did a quickie masters. Okay. So that I was able to teach it, you know, like so, something that's not high school, because that was a terrifying prospect. <laughs> yeah, then and now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, I couldn't wait to get out and I never wanted to go back again in, in any role. <laughs> it was just such a terrible experience. I agree. I agree. I never went back. I even left the state. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah, but, well, yeah half but, my life was in New York. The other half is elsewhere. So hanging out with these crazy intellectuals and academics, they, they made it seem like there, there was something beyond that that was worthwhile. And, and you, could, you could live as an intellectual, and it, and it wouldn't be horrible. It was something to, to strive towards and, and a means of escape from the, from the stupidity of the culture we found ourselves sort of trapped and immersed in. Mm-hmm. And that was high school. But I did discover... You know, so, I mean, I grew up listening to classical music and then I discovered rock music in like 10th grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, too, was 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 a major event. And I think that's what really saved my ass in high school was listening to music and then starting my first band in 10th grade with a bunch of other weirdos <laughs> and uh, somehow managed to survive in our little clique. And if I hadn't have had that, I don't know. I don't know what the hell would have happened. So, yeah, I mean, in that sense, it was a kind of salvation. And this was uh, pre-Nature, when you had the band Nature in the 90s. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, uh, But it was with the singer. Ah, of, yes, you did uh, tell Nature. me that last so, Yep. Yeah, so we were friends in high school, and so we started our first band together, and we went through a whole series of unfortunate groups and <laughs> finally struck gold with Nature. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get to that point. But yeah, we, we started our, our first band together, and I was assigned the bass guitar because there were no other instruments left. So I took it by default and uh, it was great. You know, I mean, we learned, I actually like, I made a list of the songs that we learned in like 10th grade, 11th grade. And we learned a hell of a lot of songs. <laughs> I think we had like 50 songs in our arsenal. You guys are like coming from the Pantera age where, yeah, you kind of needed that kind of arsenal. <laughs> Seriously. I remember, I remember learning like crocus songs. Oh you know, man. Uh, Screaming in the night. No, we we learned we played uh, "Eat the Rich." Oh, nice one! All right, cool. With like the bass solos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. That was that was killer, man. I didn't see that coming, Crocus. That's amazing. All right, well, uh, let's let's get into your your head real quick here. What is your current mindset as we speak with the state of things? All right, how are you doing right now? I I feel pretty good. I mean, uh, I'm doing a lot better than than, than most other people. I mm. feel fine physically. Good. Uh, I'm not commuting to work, which is a huge relief. So, uh, you know, I, I think my psychological state is is better too because of this. I've seen your already, yeah. yeah, I've seen your commute. That? I've seen your commute out there. It's it's horrible. You know, they did a study and they discovered that uh, they found that the 405 freeway is the worst freeway on the planet. Yeah. 
which means it's the worst freeway in the universe if we're like the only, you know, <laughs> habited planet. <laughs> but we know better. Uh, and I've spent my life driving on that freeway. You know, I was I, I went to UCLA and then I was working out there. So I've spent many years dealing with that freeway and it's it's gotten worse and worse over the years. And looking back on it, I was engaging in crazy behavior and I saw a lot of crazy behavior. There's just like <laughs> there's lunatics out there, man, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as, as far as the social situation generally, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's completely insane. Like, I can't believe what's going on. And I felt that something really weird was happening. I would say a few months before it started happening, I really started freaking out with premonitions that something odd was coming and was was uh, vocalizing this to a number of different people. I didn't really understand what was on the verge of happening, but I definitely had some strange feelings. Uh and then all hell broke loose, and it was frightening initially because you didn't really know what it was going to be and when it was going to stop and whether you were going to be safe or not. So there was definitely a, a period of anxiety at the beginning of it, and I would say actually that period lasted for several months. I mean it wasn't just the shutdown, but of course that yeah. – and it just went on and on and on. I mean that was just a complete national nervous breakdown, right, and uh, you know, shocking and, and disturbing – to uh, live through it and uncertain as to where it was going to go and, and, and how long it was going to last. Yes. Yes. Uh, and you know, I, I, yeah, I, you know, people have gone a little bit crazy, haven't they? Oh, oh, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I try to tell people this, this, this show is a release from all that and it's hard to avoid. It's hard to avoid every day, even today, like just confrontation. It's kind of yeah. sad and scary all at the same time. But we yeah, st- I think you're seeing people like snapping here and there. You know, you read these stories where it, you just get the sense that people are under so much pressure that every once in a while somebody does something just incredibly heinous, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're not kidding. It's that it's that pressure cooker phenomenon, you know, so so that's unsettling. It is. At least there's some signs that it's opening up. I think that they're, they're starting to open up California. Some of the counties have been opening up. They haven't done much in Los Angeles, but there's a lot of rumors that – that even L.A. is going to ease off on some of the restrictions, and, and they've mm-hmm. been really hardcore. I believe that, yeah. Well, you know, Texas so- and West Virginia today opened up today. Um, Texas, we already know, opened up, what, last week, I think, or earlier in the week? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, they man. They totally opened. Totally it, it's really It's really unfortunate how your opinion about this stuff has, has been allied with a certain political perspective, you know? So if I, you have uh, a certain kind yes. of politics, you have a certain set of beliefs that you hold about a variety of subjects, and you can't deviate from any of those, or you won't be a member of that group anymore. I'm glad you said that. Yes. I, 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 it's common. It, it, it's everything right now. Everything's divisive. Everything is divisive. Uh, but th- we do have our music for that reason. Well, you folks are going to hear an epic song at the end of the show tonight called The Dream of the Sea, which is amazing. And stand by for that. But I got we got to talk about, oh, my God. So this book of yours. All right. Um, Avalon. Hard to get oh, a cop- yeah. hard to get a copy of it, man. <laughs> it's out of print. Yeah. But there's a new edition planned. That's another thing that needs to happen. I'll probably put out like three books all at once. I wanted to do a corrected version of the text and do an electronic version of the text and, uh, you know, get it, get it all nice and, and, and reformatted for, for a modern printing. So I let the first edition expire. Okay. I want to say, before we dig viscerally musically with you, I, I want to ask you, because I could bore my audience and ask you to tell me the synopsis, but I'd rather you explain what Avalon is about. 
Well, it's, you know, here, here's another example of, a, of an old text that I cloaked a little bit by setting it in 1930s America, but it's, it's about a, a musician with a lot of life details similar to my own, a jazz musician rather than a, an electronic rock musician. Uh, but I was able to, because of this, do something interesting with the way that I wrote about the 1930s. Most of the time when writers write about the 1930s, they do kind of the dirty 30s where everything is, is grimy and grungy. But, but I wrote about the 1930s in, in sort of a futuristic way. You know, if you think about uh, all, that, all that now ancient technology that we have left over from that time period, well, when it was created, it was all shiny and new and, and looks beautiful. And there was a certain futuristic aesthetic, you could say, to uh, Art Deco. So I, I kind of described 1930s Los Angeles like it was a science fiction story, and uh, you know, made it made it made it glistening, and uh, and vibrant and technological. So I found ways to sort of uh, do it a little bit differently from what you usually see. Sounds like a Netflix and special it, right now. There was, you know, and. and uh, the people who I initially brought in to help with it were very helpful and wanted to help me get it done and wanted to sort of add to it. And uh, we ended up doing a lot of interesting stuff with it. I had a friend who wanted to do artwork for it, so we did artwork for it. And then I was playing it for other musician friends, and someone came up with the idea of recording songs for it. So we ended up organizing a bunch of musicians to write and record songs for it. Uh, with uh, bands adapting single chapters. I, I think I've told you this story before. It's just mm -hmm. there, there was something about that book that, that really worked on people. Yes. If they read it, they, they seemed to respond to it emotionally, and that that helped me to, to sort of uh, finish it. So I, I think it was a success, and, uh, you mm -hmm. know, it was, it was hard, but, but it was worthwhile. I just want to redo it. Yeah. And, uh, Make, make it perfect with, with what I have in mind for it right now. And that's something, you know, when I finish working on the music that I'm working on right now, I'll probably turn to that stuff next. Cool. That, no, that's important. No, I, I know you did talk about it, but it, I, I hate bragging about this, but we have a much larger audience these days. So, ah. yeah, things have changed. It's, uh, yeah, different, very different thing now. Well, different if they animal. want to read about that book, they can go to avalonbook.com, and there's chapter previews, and there's artwork from it, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of info about it that they can check out. Cool. Now, let's see. We had Defender came out last year, uh, late spring or spring. And now we're yes. looking at Surf Music is your is your album that's coming out or not. Well, available. It on is Bandcamp. Yeah. Bandcamp. Now, Two kids albums in 2020. Yeah, I saw that, that uh, during the year of COVID. Fantastic. Something positive that happened. I had time. So, you know, yeah, I guess like all, all of us creative people. Not all of us were using it for the best means, though. I, I and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's but it, that happens too. I I finished the Defender album the night that they shut down Los Angeles and California. Oh my god! I was working in the studio, and uh, it was, I think it was mid March, and all hell was breaking loose, and I was going to Atwater Village to work at my friend's studio. And we worked all day and we and we finished it after eight hours, after, you know, four months of working on this thing. And I came out and got in my car and turned on the radio and they announced we're shutting down everything. You can't go outside. You can't oh, my go God. Anywhere. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, we watched it live. Everybody watched it live. Uh, yeah, we did a whole Apocalypso arc uh, last year and introducing new bands and stuff. And maybe that's when we were talking, too. And. Maybe you were not in the best of spirits <laughs> at that point. 
I don't know. I don't. Re- I don't remember. Were we talking back then? <laughs> we were going to do a show. I have a new. Well, new. Yeah, new. Sean's new. He, Sean yeah. is my new co-host of five years. I keep saying new. Uh, and right. we were talking. He wanted you to come on, and he was going to be here tonight, but he's on night shift tonight. So don't, don't, don't hold that against him because he wants to talk uh. to you. But yeah, we've had some amazing shows since, and like I said, the audience has grown, and having you back is always phenomenal. Now, Uh now again, kids, go to Bandcamp for Defender and Surf Music, HB3, and I want to say this, on one song that we did play back then with Evil, uh, that was about Evil Knievel. Yes. Okay. It clocks in at 420. Was that on purpose? (laughs) Oh, my God. You noticed. I noticed last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a, there's actually quite a few of those songs that are four minutes and twenty seconds, and I think we we released the album on April twentieth. So, yeah, man, it it turned into a thing. I got I got a cop to that. Well, go back and check out that show, folks. We play Evil on there, or just go to Bandcamp and check all his music out. Uh, Defender, um, I want to ask you, Defender, and also Surf Music. Are these concept albums? Are they related or no? Well. Yeah, I was I was sort of going with the Greek mythology thing on uh, on on surf music, using uh, the Odyssey as a source of inspiration. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't tell the story of the Odyssey right. in any kind of rigorous manner. But uh, there's a song called Argus, and yes. Argus was the loyal dog of Odysseus. And there's a song called Odysseus, and there's sort of seafaring themed songs on it. The first song is called The Return, and I was thinking of you know. The return of Odysseus to his home after uh, the Trojan War, so it's 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 Odyssey themed, uh, roughly speaking. Uh, mm-hmm. Defender, not so much. Okay. Defender, Defender is a loosely united group of songs. There's not really a consistent story being told, but uh, but I did definitely think about the song sequence and wanted it to flow from one song to the next and and had a sort of different, I don't know how to put this, like an artistic orientation when I did that album. I think earlier albums, I was more like working out my issues. Interesting. And uh, then I finally worked out my issues. So so the music on Defender is, is more, it's like outward directed, you know, I'm trying to do something that people enjoy. That's wild. Yes, you get your stuff out first, and then you do it for the people. I'm not sure what... I think everybody's formula is different. I'm not sure. Do whatever works, you know, whatever yeah. can whatever can get you to do it. Yes. That's the right way. Indeed. And uh, we're going to play something I call this. It's a kick, kick arse romp I call Star Beast. Um, I, that's a banger. Star Beast is a, is a banger. I love yeah. that song, and I don't. I don't know where you are, but I'm a huge Primus fan, um, oh, yeah. and that's progressive, but yet heavier than a lot of Primus stuff. Um, yeah. you, what did you just have something heavy in you that night? And you're like, I, I, I got to use this. Yeah, you know, I found this monstrous bass tone. Yeah, I was I was playing a five string bass with it with like an octave effect on it, so it's also like there's an octave below the low notes that I'm playing. And it, it was just so titanic and horrendous <laughs> that uh, the, the, the song came out and, you know, it kind of, it kind of wrote itself based around the, the sound of the bass itself. And I just started <laughs> playing that line and, and it all came together actually extremely quickly. I think I did that song in, in, in a week or so, but it, it definitely started with the, with the sound and the feel of the bass. That. There was so much low end on that bass part that we had to roll some of it off in the in the in the final mixing of that of that track because it would have just it would have shredded your speakers. <laughs> I believe that. All right, listen. Uh, when we get back here with HB3, 
We're going to talk more a, about the, uh, well, the piccolo bass. Uh, that's something that novices that didn't listen to the shows earlier. We, we, we now have 236 episodes. You can't blame them. So, uh, wow. But piccolo bass is going to be new for a lot of millennials that may or may right not on. be listening. All right, folks, uh, listen to Star Beast and uh, hang on. We're going to get right back to you, and thanks for listening. Poodle. That's cool. Well, that's a loud poodle. Yeah, we got uh, pit bulls here. He's, he's, he's looking out through the window. He sees something out there. <laughs> yeah, we, we love our dogs. Our dogs take part of the show, so that will that little sound bite literally will stay. <laughs> he's all right now. But <laughs> I'm leading him away. 
That's all right. No, no, no. You don't have to do that. Our dogs take I part just, all the time. I just took him away for the window. Come here. Well, we, we were hitting on Greek mythology, so I want to ask you, um, you, well, you clearly have some family history with the sea. Yeah. And then you have a, 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 an admiration for Greek mythology. Somehow you've combined that. And you kind of make some of the coolest, I hate using your term, surf music of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's funny, you know. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a title that is a genre of music. It is a style of music, and it is also a song on the album. Yep. So we've we've got a multiple layer of meaning there. Whoa! Sorry, I'm dealing with this dog. He's gone mad. <laughs> Do you need a break? No, I'm all right. <laughs> we could always play more music, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot to uh, pick from in the, uh, these days. So, all right, but um, your family, uh, were you always Oceanside or like? You know, uh, my family had a house on Catalina Island, mm-hmm. which I also write about in that in the book Avalon and the, and the, the, the city in Catalina mm-hmm. that people live in is called Avalon. So I grew up going to the city of Avalon on Catalina Island, and we had a house up on the bay overlooking the ocean, looking towards, you know, Long Beach and San Pedro. You couldn't normally see the mainland. So once you got out there, even though it was only about 12 miles away, uh, it really seemed like you were detached Hmm. and in a whole other universe and two, Avalon, California was built in, oh, I don't know, the 1910s, the 1920s, and it sort of stayed the same way. So it, it has that Art Deco vibe, which is another reason why I wrote the book in the time period that I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And Catalina Island was, uh, you know, a, a, a destination of all the local Hollywood stars, right? And they would go out to Catalina and get up to all sorts of craziness, Laurel and Hardy and and uh, Buster Keaton and, you know, there's photographs of, you know, W.C. Fields walking around on the streets of the city and all that stuff. Natalie Wood died out there, right? That's where she drowned. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Was off of Catalina Island with uh, Christopher Walken. Yeah, still pending. Right. So there's a a lot of interesting stories and background to that area. But, yeah, and I had uncles that were fishermen, and they would take me out fishing and – you know, yeah, it was, uh, they were mythic experiences for a kid to have, you know, where you're like looking at the ocean, uh, living in this strange town mm-hmm. with these weird people, and, you know, and you sense that there's this weird history about it that you don't really understand. You just surmised Long Island in my upbringing as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works on the other coast too, trust me. <laughs> I'm oh. sure it does. Oh, boy. Yes, but I do miss the ocean. I'm landlocked you're- now. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a kid and, and you, you, you know, you get taken places and you're just like, what the hell is this? Who, how did this get here? Who are these people? Why is this so weird? Why are these people so strange? (laughs) You have, you have no idea what's going on, you know, which is, which is, I mean, there's something beautiful about that really, you know? Yeah. Uh, isolation, you know, like, yeah, I mean, you're just this little person and these grownups are in command and you just hope that they're not insane. <laughs> and they, and they, they take you places, you know, like I remember being a kid and, and you know, the, my, my mom saying, OK, we're going to go to the island tomorrow. So go take a shower. We're going in the morning and, and just like standing there going, wow, this is this is insane. This is incredible. I can't believe this is going on. You know? <laughs> 
like a <laughs> how do what, how do I explain world where these things happen? How do I tell my friends about this? Um, so, in general, I am curious too about your the educational side. Uh, well, your students, um, like, where are new abiding musicians finding their inspiration like these days? Do you have? Are, I, I don't. I, I, it's usually YouTube, and I hope that's not true. But yeah, you know, uh, that's that's where I see the interesting music now. It's it's guys in their living rooms posting stuff on YouTube and Facebook. Sad to say. Mm. You know, a lot of it is is bad, but every once in a while there, there will be someone amazing, and and of course they aren't like achieving any kind of mainstream success or even support. Uh, but that's that I think is the situation. Unfortunately, uh, yep. we've got there 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 are still amazing people out there. It's just they don't really have an outlet for their work, and that's a that's a complicated and unfortunate situation. Yeah. But damn, there's some amazing bass players out there that I just see like posting shit on Facebook, you know? Oh yeah, and it's oh my god. I mean, bad ones too. <laughs> I found guitarists. I, I found some guitarists. A guy named Eric 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 Elric of Melnabone. No, Eric Pellegrini. Um, I found him on YouTube, and he I don't know if he posted something on my page, and then I had him. I well, I play his music now. Amazing guitarist, and he's kind of young, I guess. I'm not sure how old, but yeah, they're all, they are out there. Yeah, there's a there's a Japanese bassist named Ayumu. I think it's A Y U M U, and he completely blows my mind every time he posts like a like a 60 second song. Uh, it's it's just incredible stuff. I think that uh, because of our ability to communicate, and maybe this is the only good thing about social media now, is that uh, we've accelerated the learning process. And and collectively, I think musicians have figured out the way that musicians in the past did things that we couldn't have figured out without the tools we have today. Right. So, uh, you know, if you think back to the eighties, you had guys like, uh, Ingve Malmsteen and Eric Johnson, you know, these amazing technicians, mm-hmm. and you listen to these guys play, you just have no idea what's going I on. I saw Ingve right? live. I've seen Ingve live. Yeah. Back at the yeah. Ritz in New York city. Yeah. So, but, but now, you know, we, we've got these people who have sort of decoded, technically what they're doing and how they're doing it and, and explicating it very thoroughly, you know, with like slow motion video and, 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 and really kind of decoding the secrets of these guys. So now you have these like 13 year old players <laughs> that are playing like Yngwie, right? You're not kidding. Um, yeah. Can I elaborate on that? Um, I'm allowed to play. There's a, a little band called Liliac. You familiar with them? The family cover band? They were like on one of those, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, contest shows. And they cover a lot. They're all over you guys in the West Coast. But they keep, uh, they just redid Master of Puppets. This is like the Partridge family on crap. Oh, okay. I think think you know what I'm talking about. They started out with Ozzy. They did, you know, uh, Crazy Train. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's some amazing musicians out there. And these these mm. these were kids. These were babies when they made the, these these videos. And now they're making yeah. a, a living out of doing these great covers and their own original stuff. That's what I wish I was seeing more of. I wish that people would would do more original compositions. Yes. That'd be fun. I see I see a lot of people doing like, you know, they're going to play along to a song or whatever. Yeah. They're doing playthroughs yeah. of other people's songs. That's right. right. That's right. And a lot of like gear demos, like en- enough with the gear demos. Like can you, you should just write something, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I like that, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the gear demo. Uh, that's like, you know, I, being part of a podcasting network. 
I kind of I enjoy some of it, but sometimes it's kind of like, uh, what gear are you using, dude? It's come on. I mean, really, right. does it sound good? Fix it if it doesn't. God's sake. Right. But that's just me. It, Go ahead. It, it becomes an excuse not to do anything. Or you're too worried to take the jump, which me and you yeah. were not. You know, we came from a generation where you, you jump first and thought later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, we're yeah. still just, talking just about Just jump it. in and do something. Yeah. But now let me ask you, too, with uh, students or, you know, people that you work with, have you ever redirected someone and, and said uh, – Let's table kiss a Metallica finale. Let's let's try less Claypool. All right, not 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 to discourage, but to grow. All right, even Metallica yeah. said they didn't want less Claypool in the band. You know what I'm saying? Right, he had his own right. thing. Have you ever done that? Have well, ever, like try yeah, this. I, I, I'm I'm sure I have. I guess I'd say as a, as a generalization, nobody really knows anything anymore. You know, they don't <laughs> they don't have any kind of detailed musical knowledge or or or, or really any kind of cultural knowledge. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was just I was listening to some other podcasts and they were raising this issue that like Zoomers don't get like cultural references Ooh. the way that like Generation Xers or Millennials or Boomers do, because we don't have here it is again, that sense of a unified culture where everybody's consuming the same stuff. Mm -hmm. There's there's too many entertainment choices. Right. So if you're like an 18 year old or a teenager today or whatever, there's there's no guarantee that. You know, and anyone else your age is consuming the same material as you are. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not even saying that's a good thing. Like, I think a lot of the stuff that, that we were raised on was was crap, you know. There's a good half, yes. Uh, but there was some good stuff in there. there yeah, so, you had to look. You had to look. I mean, it's it's a really common experience for me to, to bring something up with someone and they just have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm continually trying to, yeah, like, like share the knowledge with people. Uh, and granted I was raised in, in different circumstances. So I, I knew a lot about like, you know, cinema and, and classical music by the time I was 12 years old or whatever. Jesus. But, Amazing. uh, you know, let let's give people like a ten year grace period. Like a like a twenty two year old should know, yeah. you know, like Les Claypool. They should know like the movie Taxi Driver. They yes. should know movies from the seventies, right? And mm -hmm. they totally don't. They don't know seventies music. They don't know progressive music. Mm. They don't know nothing. You are correct. That's so uh, like uh, that's a very uh, point of contention, man. Yeah, because I try to reference something, even though like they could be listening to the band, and I can mention the guitarist, and if they're ten years younger than me now, they're kind of like, yeah, that's a good band, but no, I don't know that guy. Uh, you don't know Kirk Hammett? Come on. Right. Uh, anyway. Well, I mean, so the good side to that is that you can be the one. Right. That that explains it to them, and it's not because I mean you're not like telling them to nag them or make them feel bad it's so that they can experience something that is great right right and get uh, get pleasure out of it get get real get profound enjoyment out of it because i don't think we're getting enough of that sort of emotion these days right true very true but until you argue with a millennial that jason newstead did not write orion oh god <laughs> oh Cliff Burton, motherfucker. Uh, you, uh, yeah. That's an argument I don't want to get into, and it happens sometimes <laughs> daily with the job that I have. I drive for oh, a living. Yeah. I, meet, I meet a lot of people, and boy, there's you know, like you said, there's no, um, yeah, they don't. There's no reference material. Yes, I, I definitely meet a lot of people, a lot of like 18, 20 year olds that are like, I mean, they're they're hungry for information. You know, hmm. they they know that they've been ripped off. Yeah. 
and they sense that they're missing out. So, so there are people like that and they're just like, you know, please tell me something. Right. <laughs> uh, they've, they've gone through the education system up to that point and it's totally failed them. Right. They don't know anything, but yeah, I mean, you, you can be the one to say, and that's, you know, that's the experience that I had. There's actually, there's something good out there that you, that you can strive towards that you can discover. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You haven't been told about it, but it's there. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I should say that's not a rip on Jason Newstead because I always like and always love Jason Newkid. Do you remember when he was called Jason Newkid? Yeah, I think that was like a, yeah. a good period for the band. It was. He was in there. That was that was a great time. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, man, I'm sorry. I, Cliff Burton, I uh, always miss him. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate the way that he got in there. Oh, but yeah. uh, you know, late late. Late '80s Metallica is awesome. Yeah, Lemmy wrote us—he wrote a song about it, "Ace of Spades." But moving on here, folks. All right, um, you have a streaming show coming up. Yes, I do. It's still happening, correct? It's still happening. Yeah. You scared me for the, with that silence for a bit. <laughs> no, I was like, wait a minute. How does he know about that? I forgot that. I forgot that I told you about yeah, that. Yeah, no, you, you actually you need a PA like I do. <laughs> you announce yeah, you announce oh things, God. and you forget you announce things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Uh, no, we were just dealing with the with the technical side of that. And, do you do you not want to promote that. that? Do you not want to promote that right now? I do want to promote it. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, it's going to be better than I thought it was actually. So, cool. so we should promote it. Uh, no, my my friend who does video for me is is going to help with the video performance. So uh, no, I I think it's going to look really good. It's not just going to be like one camera filming me as I perform. Yeah, your stuff is we'll have something. Your stuff is always done well done, video or musically. It's always just well shot. It's very visual music, right? So you always want something good accompanying the sound, and we should have that happening for this streaming performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope this is the beginning of a trend of starting to do actual performances again because uh, I haven't played out anywhere for like a year now. Ah, and, uh, okay. you know, I miss some some gigs that I normally do. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe that will start happening again. Maybe we'll go from doing some streaming to doing some actual in-person performances over the summer. That's the plan. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, you, you got to share it on Kettle Whistle Radio, the Facebook page. But what you got to tell folks like how they can watch this thing. Because uh, there are novices out there. It's uh, go, it's well, yeah. If you go to my Facebook page, you can find it. You can sign up for the performance. We're streaming it through Twitch. I think it's Twitch TV or Twitch.com/slash Redwood Bar. Yeah, that's what. Okay. Yeah, but but find me on Facebook, and you'll you'll be linked to it. Facebook or Instagram, HB3 Live. I'm looking forward to that. I just liked it today, but. I was going to mark that I'm going to go, but I wasn't sure until I talked to you that it's going to happen. I'm glad it's happening. No, it's 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 happening, and it's it's going to be great. I'm, the sound is going to be magnificent. It's just me doing the solo piccolo stuff, so I'll be doing uh, material from the Surf Music album. Nice. Which is easier to engineer because it's just me and the, and the piccolo bass. And, yeah, I'm getting a delightful tone. I'm extremely happy with the sound I'm getting out of the instrument. Well, I so that'll go it. that'll go out over the uh, interwebs. We'll have to make some announcements on Kettle Whistle on the page. I'll put it on my own page. Um, and uh, right now, let's let's get into uh, surf music a little bit. The album we're going to play the return, beautiful tune. Chill out, folks. Put your feet up for this. It's awesome. 
All right. And thanks for listening. We'll get right back here with Hugh from HB3, who is HB3. He's not from there. It's like you have your own state. What the hell?
I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. We are right back here. HB3, we're talking to Hugh right now. And uh, you heard the return. And you also ha- you heard some garbage after that. That's my sponsors. You got to help me out, man. Come on, folks. Go to, go to my page www.fairlydarkproductions.com you can listen to all the shows there you can buy books i got two horror novels there available in anthology and if you go to if you're into comic books dr peeler is taking off we got three issues coming out the first one is already there you can buy it and if you go to burning bulb comics slash uh, dot com and then there's burning bulb publishing.com but burning bulb comics.com dr peeler number one is available and trust me if you're into your hp lovecraft and you love well, i don't know if you have tongue-in-cheek comedy uh you'll enjoy dr peeler anyway i'm here with my guest and yes i was self-plugging because that's the only way to make money these days now if you love the return and i i gotta tell you this i hugh i watched the video for C sounds on your Facebook page, we, yeah, that's mm. there too. You're aware of that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. I, I I fell right in. I fell right in the whole live experience, and then you go into your little backdrop, little yeah. huge backdrop, and it just amazing. And that video is a, that's a tribute to life in the lockdown because it's shot in my <laughs> living room with a backdrop, you know, with a green screen backdrop. So you've got some nice images on it that sort of take you out of that environment we're all locked into our rooms and our imagination is the only escape we have and that can be dangerous not in this case it worked out okay good good good. that's what i want to hear uh on that note what are you listening to these days anything worthwhile anything new oh my god I remember you asked me this before. And I, I was always stumped. do. I like to know what people are listening to. So I sometimes you guys, turn, my guests, turn me on to good bands. You know, I was listening to some Japanese metal. That's always really, great. Yeah, I'm a little bit late to the game, but you know, I got I got some of the baby metal albums baby and metal, was really yeah. enjoying those, and then was exploring some of the other. The other stuff along the same lines, and I thought that was excellent. I was listening to the new Liquid Tension Experiment stuff. Have you heard that? I'm a big Duran Gray fan, but no, I do not know that. Liquid what? Liquid Tension Experiment is a super group from the guys from uh, Dream Theater. It's got the keyboardist and what's the guy, uh, Petrucci, and uh, the the... old drummer, and Tony Levin on bass. They got the... 
Point Portnoy is back in the band. Yeah, he's doing this side project. Oh, okay, it's Petrucci, Portnoy. What's the keyboardist's name? That I don't remember. Uh, and then uh, Tony Levin, who is like seventy-four years old now. Oh, wow. Playing bass and playing stick, and uh, you know that stuff sounded pretty good. I saw them from the inception, and if you uh, actually you didn't pronounce it right, if you're from Long Island, is Dream Theater. Dream oh, Theater, yeah. Dream Theater. Yeah, I say Dream Theater. Yeah, I lost that part of my accent unless I get really drunk or extremely angry. Um, I, keep talking about Japanese bands because I gotta go find a CD that's sitting on my wall here that's gonna crack you up. And you have to. Look you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking through my records right now and seeing what I've been playing. I got the. I went through an Emerson Lake and Palmer thing. Nice. I got the new Opeth album. Oh, and I Opeth, enjoyed yeah. that quite a bit. Oh, you're all into the progressive metal. Yeah, I think there was, uh, you know, it, it's it's not as good as the scene is not as good as it was, say, 10, 15 years ago. But I did like the new Opeth album as opposed to certain other people. I thought it was probably their best of their progressive styled recordings. Uh, but, yeah, I went through a big 70s thing. Uh, I'm seeing like, oh, what about uh, the new Gojira? Did you hear that? Oh, Gojira. Now, amazing. They're amazing, no. but you know they're French, not Japanese. That's true. Yeah. So no, I had a big. I, I made a big so mistake they don't once. Count. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but I got one for you. This is funny for you. Just to, well, this is fun. I shouldn't say funny. Uh, this is a little. All right, uh, Japanese done the Donnas style. Remember the Donnas? The Donnas, as in the, punk rock. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a punk rock Japanese girl band called Gito Gito Hustler. Have you heard of them? Uh, no, but <laughs> they're adorable. I can only imagine. <laughs> they're adorable. I, I was just trying yeah. to play the game. That's all. <laughs> no, I know. There's like, I mean, talk about 13-year-olds who can play like Yngwie. Oh, right? That's where a lot of that stuff is coming from. Mm-hmm. Agreed. The, the baby metal band was incredibly impressive. Yeah, they're tight. Uh, oh, yeah. Amazing. They, they actually played OzFest before it all fell apart, I think. I think they did. They did do it. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, no. So uh, you know, there's there's definitely some some technical mastery going on out there in the world, and you and you want to see more of that. It, it it's good to see for sure. You know, like occasionally you experience something that is that is very inspiring. Indeed. Um, as you do are. You like, uh, <laughs> do you like Devin Townsend? Oh, I own a whole bunch of. I was listening to him today. I, today in my car, I started my car up today, and the Grays came on. I am a huge fan. I go back to stra uh, Strapping Young Lad, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my God, no, he's a genius. Yeah, no. So he he's got a, a high level of technical proficiency going on in his music and performances. Mm -hmm. That is uh, refreshing. Yes. I think he's putting out something new soon too. He doesn't stop, I don't think, that guy. No, he's incredibly productive. Yes. Now, I want to go – now, back going back into your stuff here, okay, with uh, – we should I, – I know that we've talked about it on my show here with you, blah, 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 but the piccolo bass, okay, now, innovated by Stanley Clark, jazz fusionist. This is something that you've taken and really, oh, my God, reinvented it. Can you explain, yeah. again, to the people that don't know you, uh, the, the piccolo bass? It was just a happy accident, Uh it's it's a bass guitar with lighter gauge strings on it, tuned an octave higher than a typical bass. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, innovated by Stanley Clark. They're usually, uh, 
uh, uh, bass guitars with short necks, short scaled instruments, uh, are, are typically what you make a piccolo bass out of. So when I converted a bass to a piccolo bass, I did not use a short scale bass. I used a long scale neck, a Fender jazz bass. Mm-hmm. It's just a couple inches longer, but it, it created a lot more tension and made the strings much, I guess you could say, uh, snappier. Yeah. So, so snappy that I had to detune the instrument. So I created this alternate tuning for it. And when I created this alternate tuning with the, uh, with the curious tension on the neck, it just it, it immediately was an inspiration. It sounded both familiar and completely unique at the same time, and I just started inventing music with it. Uh, I felt like I had, had found something that I could make uh, part of my signature sound. Which you did. And it just started all happening, you know? Like, uh, it, it's, it's kind of kept going from that from that moment it's a really interesting instrument that you can make sound all sorts of different ways and like all sorts of different instruments it sounds like a banjo it sounds like a sitar it sounds like a uh, it actually can sound rather like an orchestra when you play it properly it can sound like a guitar it can sound like a bass it can sound like a like a lute right so you can kind of <laughs> pop around history mm-hmm play in all these different styles, uh, play like you're playing all these different instruments and it all sort of works. And it's also, I discovered, deeply relaxing and enjoyable for people to listen to. I agree. It's an octave uh, higher than a typical bass, but it's also an octave lower than a typical guitar. So it's still a pretty low-pitched instrument, at least relative to a guitar. It's sort of in the same territory as a a baritone guitar, which is... uh, the type of guitar used for the James Bond theme and for, you know, like the, the classic surf music that mm-hmm. we all know, like uh, Walk, Don't Run and... Uh, oh, my God, The Ventures? Yeah, all The Ventures oh, stuff. Oh, I, I the grew Beach up Boy with The Ventures, stuff. yeah, yeah. That's all baritone guitar, but that's in, that's in the same tonal range as the piccolo bass. So I'm able hmm. to play surf music as though I'm playing a baritone guitar and get away with it. But then there's all also all these other ways that I can use it. And it sort of resonates at a particular frequency that seems to have a profound effect on the listener. Right. I agree. Uh, yes. People like lay down on the floor and let the, uh, <laughs> let the frequency sort of resonate through their bodies. <laughs> I guess it depends what kind of night they're having or, you know, yeah, <laughs> I've had some interesting like audience responses. They, they, they get really into it and people frequently feel as though they've been hypnotized by it. Uh, there's something hypnotic about it. If you listen to one of your albums all the way through, as if I have to tell you, um, yeah. yeah, if you do that, turn the lights down low, a glass of wine or whatever you want to smoke. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. You go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was talking about how I, I would write music as a kind of self therapy. And that was definitely what was going on with the piccolo based stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I'm not free from, from, you know, the stresses of the modern world and, and anxiety and stuff like that. But I had that instrument to go to. And I, I would definitely use it to calm myself down and uh, change the way that I was feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think because I took that approach to it, it, it had a similar effect on on the listener, right? Ah. So it was kind of a happy coincidence there. Totally. Yeah, yeah. That's Self-medicating, that's what it was. <laughs> Big time. You just made me punch my microphone by mistake. Um, 
by the way, I do hate the duplicity of my next question for you, but it's really uh, extremely relevant. Um, are you currently a uh, collaborating with anyone? And if you could, who would you like to? Now, the reason I ask that is because your music, it seems like people would want to sample it. Yeah. I was doing some collaborations a few years ago, and, and then I stopped just because it was so hard for me to complete my own stuff. Ah, okay. Uh, so, so I went through a few of those, and then I was like, "Oh man, I got I got to put some of my my own stuff out." I mentioned that I I took a break to to write a couple of books, mm. Uh, mm. and then I you know I was like, "Oh my god, I, I haven't put out any of my own music in a couple of years. I gotta I gotta get it together." So at that point, I just wanted to focus on finding a way to 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 put out some original music again. Right. So I haven't collaborated lately, but yes, people do want to collaborate with me, and and I keep saying that I will. Whether this actually happens, I don't know, but uh, but I, but I'm willing to do so and and w eager to do so. And for the new music that I'm working on, I mean, the idea was that I would have a bunch of different people playing on it, but those plans were laid before the the COVID uh, insanity hit. You know, so uh, I do know. I've heard a lot of these. So stories. maybe maybe as we come out of it, people will will be into uh, collaboration in a new way. Well, let, let, Although I see a lot of people collaborating over the internet, so I guess you know anything is possible, really. Well, really, yeah. I, I bought the. Uh, well, this is not not a big surprise. Is Mike Patton has worked this way for the new uh, Mr. Bungle. But then, if you go back to uh, uh, Peeping Tom with Mr. Bu uh, with uh, Mike Patton, they made that entire album with I don't know sixteen different artists, all of them sending uh. bits and pieces to each other before it was cool to do that. Right. So right. yeah, it's kind of like it's weird that, that they sort of invented that trend, but didn't. I guess the Gorillas were like that too. But um, uh, now, the, something I wanted to ask you about the streaming show, uh, the live one, March 13th, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, who, any other artists working with you on it's that? It's just going to be me, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Oh, just you. Okay. Hey, guy, that's so worth it. Yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, yeah, hit him up on his page. Um, I was going to ask you about more books. Apparently, you have books, uh, but you're not going to talk about <laughs> them yet or... <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna it's gonna happen soon i want to finish some of the music i'm working on and then I'll, i'm gonna put out a bunch of stuff okay uh you know it, it, this is sort of the pattern that i followed with the avalon novel was I, I wrote a rough draft i completed it and then it took me five years to actually put it out no i could talk so to you about i wrote that. these other books and you know it's i thought that they were done but i haven't put them out yet so it's i'm going through this this inter this intermediate period where it, it sort of matures, and uh, I, I think we're making some progress, but it's still probably going to be a little while. Well, I, I want to give you some advice here because I'm staring at this book in front of me right now, and I've read it now twice, and there's a new one coming out. If you, For all musicians out there that want to feel better about themselves, and I, I send this out to the guy that wrote it too, um, he, I'd love to have him come on. Mark Lanigan, have you read that book? No. Jesus Christ. Here, let me wipe the stuff off of here we go sing backwards and weep mark lanigan wow uh oh, yeah you want to talk about somebody that made all the mistakes and was quite proud and then not so proud and he yeah. uh has a bestseller um that book will make you want to take a shower oh god yeah there's a lot of that yeah there is there really is i i've read them all um all right enough about that before we get into the dream of the sea and close out tonight and i really appreciate you doing this today um, when you inevitably, when you eventually compose your rock opera, what, yeah. <laughs> will, what will it be about and who would be in the cast? 
Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It, I keep I keep going back to the the mythological themes, don't yeah. I? You That's know, all right. Uh, I I think it's because I I loved Greek mythology when I was a kid. For whatever reason, it it, it really works for me. Uh, maybe I was uh, maybe I was a Greek in a past life or something. I don't know. Some but composer uh, of some type. That 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 stuff just you know, it it really hits home. Uh, so it would probably be something along those lines. And and with the energy that I brought to the composition of of the Dream of the Sea, this this very sort of aggressive yet transcendent sensibility. Hmm. Uh, it's a celebration of power, but there's also this this uh, transcendental emotion, hmm. a, a kind of spiritual glory, in addition to the mindless violence. I think that's a that's a that's a good combination. So would you be Nero playing the fiddle? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> good. Playing a playing a piccolo bass. There it is. Perfect, yeah. perfect. And with that, we're gonna go out uh, with the dream of the sea. Guys, sit tight. Girls and kids, whoever's with you right now, uh, enjoy this. This is, uh, I don't know, it's an epic song. It's perfect and a way to go out for any, I, I see this as the end of almost every movie that ever happened, but that's just me. Um, yeah. You should plug your stuff right now, where to get it. I know Bandcamp for most of your stuff, right? Yes, I'm actually all over the internet. I'm on Spotify, I'm on iTunes, I'm on all the major digital outlets. So if you just search on HB3, Something should come up, but you can also find me at Facebook and Instagram at uh, HB3 Live. Letter <laughs> H, letter B, number three, okay, L-I-V-E. I didn't mean to step all over you there. I don't think I have you on Instagram. That was, again, H-B, capital HB and number three, and then... Yeah, they don't have to be capitalized. Oh, okay. Letter H, letter B, number three, live. Okay, perfect. Awesome. And Twitter, do you do Twitter? I'm, I hate Twitter. I don't have a Twitter account. Yes, I do, too. I hate it. I have to do it, I but hate I hate it. it. I hate it. I, they, people Twitter, know I hate it. Twitter is worse than ever. Twitter has banned anyone that was even the slightest bit interesting, so it's become this ridiculous echo chamber. Ugh. Twitter needs to go, man. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan. I, I actually promote all my friends on there, and I rarely – I'll put my episodes up. But if you want to find my episodes, folks, just go to my website, www.fairlydarkproductions.com, and uh, – Facebook, Kettle Whistle Radio. It's that easy. Uh, we're pretty friendly there. You could hit us up. You got bands, hit us up, man. Email me at kettlewhistleradio at gmail.com. You got bands, send me, send me music. And Dr. Peeler, Demon Psychiatrist, it's out, number one. We want this thing to take off, and we need your help because we have some great stories coming up. Won't set you back by too much, but go to burningbulbcomics.com or burningbulbpublishing.com. And there it is, self-promotion. Oh, isn't that disgusting? I'm sorry. Oh man, it's all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, to everybody. we should we should have plugged is the Dream of the Sea video. We still can. We should. Yeah, I took. Hey, there's I a, saw there's the, a Dream of it. the Sea video. <laughs> I saw the pictures, man. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah watch the video. Watch the video. It's so beautiful. I'm so happy with it. Yeah, you gave me snippets where I can get pictures, so I'll send some promos out on that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I got some good ones. But yeah, the video is awesome. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a titanic accomplishment. I, I'm so glad we finally finished it. We shot it and then I couldn't get my videographer to edit it. So I finally had to figure out how to edit myself. Oh, really? So I'm I'm now a co-creator. Oh, man, you took a crash course in video. editing. You did. I did. Okay. I took a I took a crash course in Adobe Premiere. Wow. Interesting. And it, it came out way better than it had any right to. Uh, that's because you had a feeling for where things should be edited. Uh, yeah. You know, all, all those movies, right? All that, all that 
film criticism and all that study, I think uh, <laughs> I think it helped. Yeah, it does. You know what not to do. Yep. Indeed. All right, HP3, Hugh, thank you so much for doing the show again. Um, hopefully we do this sooner than uh, four years or whatever that was. <laughs> Three, yeah, I'd yes. love to. I'd love to get into more like '70s horror and and you know like talk <laughs> about this stuff and get into some serious theory. I almost said '70s material. horror. I almost said '70s horror. Yes, because I, I have you know go I ahead. got I got ideas about this stuff you know and uh, <laughs> I'd lo- I'd love to share some concepts. Uh, we have a lot of people in film that listen to this show and a lot of directors that have been on the show. Um, I know, I know. And it, they, whether it's low budget or whatever you want, you want it artsy, there are people that listen. I, I'm surprised, too. Some, I don't know who they all are. They don't let me know. Sometimes, <laughs> you know when they let you know, Hugh? You know when they let you know. When they when don't like pissed, something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, right, right. Boring. They take it for granted. Yeah, yeah. And then you're gone for a while and whatever. Or you send your uh, your listeners after them, which is always fun, too. So anyway, right. no, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, most of the time, most of the time. But thanks for doing the show, and um, we'll have you back soon. And you keep us up to date. And March thirteenth, folks, go to HB three on Facebook and watch the streaming live. I know I'll be there. Thank you. All right, thank you.
there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.